Welcome to Touch Podcast, conversations of spirit and body. This is Nate. This is Ryan. A little warning here, folks. The themes in this podcast include topics not suitable for children or adults who act like children. We are here on this episode with Shannon Etheridge, a real-life evangelical who gets honest with us about masturbation, oral sex, quote-unquote yoga hammocks and divorce, and much more. And before we get started on that, I want to say a number of people have gotten interested in this podcast and have emailed and called, and we've reached out to some people who we think would be great on the show. And what started off as a spinoff of a documentary that's being made has begun to, to really take on a life of its own. In the coming episodes, we'll be speaking with a wide variety of people from different perspectives on sex, starting with women's leader and best-selling Christian author Shannon Etheridge on this episode, and including author and feminist Angela Yarber in upcoming episodes, and writer and fellow podcaster Carla Ewert, author and ethicist David Gushy, and Joshua Harris, a renowned evangelical and purity author known for his 1990s breakout best-selling book, I Kiss Stating Goodbye, all coming up in the next episodes of Touch Podcast. All these wonderful folks have their own contributions to make in this space, and we're going to spend the next several episodes with them and talk about reconsidering some of the things they used to teach. And let's jump in here with Shannon and Nate on this episode of Touch. Well, Nate, Nate, we have found ourselves a real live evangelical who is willing yes. to talk about sex on the air. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I thought it was going to be as mythical as Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, but this this crazy notion we had actually happened so much faster than we thought. Wow. Yeah, we were just talking about it, and uh, one of my former students shot me an email and said, hey, have you heard of this woman, Shannon Etheridge? And I have to admit, I haven't been so deep into evangelical Christianity in the last couple years, several years probably. Um, but then when I Googled her, and I'm, she's like the author of all these books, and yeah, she's a bona fide evangelical. <laughs> and, and just to catch the pretty picture awesome, picture. I think. Look at this. Yeah. Go ahead, Nate, go ahead. And just to catch a picture here, right? Just, just imagine, if you will, if Ryan and I are on a stage, and, and Shannon is um, maybe waiting off to the side of the stage, just kind of waiting for us to introduce her because she's right here and she hasn't said a word yet, which is absolutely... We're talking about her right in front of her face. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I can do to bite my tongue. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shannon Etheridge, welcome to Touch Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan and Nate. I am absolutely delighted to get to have this conversation with you guys. I've been chomping at the bit since I first got turned on to Touch Podcast by a client. She was like, you really need to give these guys a listen, and she didn't have to twist my arm. I was blown away. I just am so proud of what you guys are doing and how you're speaking up and how you're inviting people to come into conversations that have needed to be had for a long, long time. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 I will have to say, um, just in in our first conversation, first conversation meeting you, um, it's quite a blast of energy. <laughs> you're you're a blast of energy, <laughs> Shannon. Um, not just a blast of refreshment, but um, you you have momentum. Wow. Thanks. I think. <laughs> no. Yeah. She is high energy. She's. 
uh, 22 books. Um, those who are listening probably might may remember a while back a book, Every Woman, Woman's Battle. And um, she's written The Sexually Confident Wife, The Fantasy Fallacy, and The Passion Principles. She's been seen on the Today Show and has, her, has had her own radio show the last four years. And so, yes. yeah, we, uh, we caught us a big fish here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm honored. I, I'm typically just simply referred to as either the sex lady or Shannon Estrogen. And I answer to either one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, guys, the, the thing that kept resonating in my head the whole time I was listening to your first few episodes is that these guys have their fingertips on the pulse point of where so many women and couples are at. And I just wanted to chime in on the conversation to say, yes, what you're seeing in culture and society that this whole movement maybe has gone just a little bit off tracks, maybe a lot off tracks in some people's lives, that it's very, very accurate. That's exactly what I've been seeing. And uh, I would venture to say the past 10 years, especially, but I've been doing this for 25 years. I started out like you guys. I was an abstinence educator. And so it's been very eye-opening to realize that, whoa, some of my tactics may have instilled more shame than we ever intended. Uh, I think that we all came into this with incredibly pure hearts and high hopes and the purest of intentions, um, but we can't ignore uh, the data and the, the stories that have come out of the movement that indicate that, uh, that some damage has been done and we can't stick our heads in the sand and ignore that damage. I think that we owe it to our um, audiences to just you know, raise our hands and say, if I have ever hurt you in any way, I am so sorry. And, and to instill a sense of shame in you is never what I or any other abstinence educator intended. So uh, if I may, I would love to just tell you a little bit more about my journey and, and what's yeah. led me to this conclusion to jump on this bandwagon with you guys. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and as you do, I, I was really involved with ministry about, I was definitely in the thick of it maybe 15, 20 years ago. And so I've forgotten what it, not forgotten, I just haven't been in the loop, what it's looked like um, in that world during this time. So if you could maybe offer those insights as well, I'm, I think that'd be great. I will certainly try that. So my journey actually started as a mortician. Um, at 19, 20 years old, I was working in one of the largest funeral homes in Dallas. I was embalming 24 bodies every 24-hour shift. And I was shocked at how many people I was embalming in their 20s or early 30s who had either died of full-blown AIDS or they committed suicide when they got an HIV-positive diagnosis. And up until that time, from about 15 until 19 or 20 years old, I had been a very promiscuous teenage girl. So I just remember thinking, there but for the grace of God go I. And I knew that my lifestyle needed to change or else I was going to wind up on that embalming table. And um, then my youth pastor at my church asked if I would like to speak to the youth group sometime. And I said, what would you like for me to speak on? And he said, whatever you want. And so I talked to them about my journey and how I hoped that they would make better choices than I was able to make at 14, 15 years old when I lost my virginity. And um, that I didn't want them to wind up on my embalming table much earlier in life than necessary. And so other youth pastors heard that I had done this with my youth group 
and they invited me to come and speak to their youth group and it just kind of exploded from there. I started traveling around and doing abstinence education workshops and I really thought that I was doing a great thing and I do believe that there have been many good things that come out of it because we can't deny that even though there are a lot of people who've been deeply wounded and traumatized, on the other side of that, there's also been some people who have been able to make much better choices than I was able to make as a teenager for lack of information and knowledge and all that. But um, as I continued on with my journey of just speaking, I realized that um, I needed to put stuff out there in writing. To People were saying, you know, I, I have friends who need to be exposed to this information. And I had actually landed on a particular campus. I'm just going to leave their name out of it out of respect for them. They don't exist anymore. But I landed on this campus full of college-age uh, women, women and men. But I noticed that the women had a neon sign on their forehead, very similar to the one that I had, that said, I'm hungry for attention and affection. And so I asked, I asked if there was any of them that wanted to start meeting weekly. And that gathering turned from five people in the basement of one of the dorms to 30 people, to 100 people, to 300 people. And then finally, the campus just made it a mandatory class. So for a 10-year span of time, I have a group of college-age women hundreds of them at a time, weekly for a 12-week Women at the Well growth group is what it was called. So it was a great opportunity to, um, you know, instill these values. And interestingly enough, I uh, am still in communication with over a thousand of them have a little private Facebook group. And so I did put the question out there. I, I, sent, I sent you guys a um, link to the podcast and asked them to take a listen and give me some feedback. Oh, Ryan and Nate, like it, it blew the lid off, like the, the threads were just shockingly honest of finally someone is putting words to what I've been feeling. And fortunately they had said it was never your class, Shannon, because I came from, because I came at it from the angle of I've made a lot of mistakes. I want to help you. I wasn't coming at it from the angle of I was a virgin when I'm married and you should be too. And you know, it was just a very different vibe. So they were very affirming about their women at the well experience, but they also acknowledged that they had had exposure to a lot of different types of abstinence education teaching that they did feel as if have held them back substantially in the bedroom. The voices inside their head are like, you know, still good girls don't, and you're, you're not allowed to like the opposite sex, uh, you shouldn't have a crush, you shouldn't have sexual energy, any sexual thought is lust, you have to take those thoughts captive, just those, you guys know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I can tell by the wince look on Nate's face. <laughs> oh, well, actually. <laughs> well, when, when I'm, that was Jennifer Knapp's line. Have you ever had impure thoughts? <laughs> yes. Shannon, I don't want to derail from your storyline here, but the reaction I'm, I'm having is just as a guy, when I hear the fierce honesty of a sexual confident woman, it's, um, I just have to say as, as a man, there's, um, it's, it can be startling and, um, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but when you're not exposed to it, when you're not around, um, sexually confident women, um, who are outspoken, um, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's 
it, a guy can react one of two ways. You can either step up to it or you can kind of shy away from it. And I just want to acknowledge that that's the reaction I'm having as, as a guy. So if there's any other listeners out there, if you're men, if you're having this reaction, listen to that reaction. That's not a bad reaction. These are tiny little pockets of wisdom hidden here as we adjust to the rise of a confident sexual feminism that's, that's evolving here all over the place. I'm all about evolving. I would love, I think my next book is going to be called Love Revolution, but the R is going to be crossed out. Love Evolution. That we, right. we, we have to evolve in a healthier direction. So the interesting thing about this particular campus where I was doing this 10 year, uh, I didn't intend for it to be an experiment, but it turned out to be obviously, um, is that the mentality of the leadership on this campus was that there should never, not even in marriage, be any oral sex because that was animalistic. Yeah. <laughs> Nate is like, what? Yeah. The what? oral sex was completely inappropriate and animalistic and as such should never. And I was like, okay guys, but what about song of Solomon? I delight to sit in my lover's shade. His fruit is sweet to my taste. Come blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad. Those are oral references to genitalia. And so the other thing is that, uh, Sex in any other way than the missionary position was unholy because that, <laughs> really like that was yeah. an explicit thing that they, yes. that they wanted that, to wow. make sure the faculty got across or whatever. That was a teaching. Uh, uh, it was, was taught that on the brochure that, for, the, the, for the college. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> no. I, I, yeah. Um, their mentality was that human beings are the only one of God's created species that could have sex face to face. And therefore that was the only appropriate way. And it was like, wait a minute, um, humpback, humpback whales and armadillos can only have sex face to face. So I hate to burst anyone's evolutionary bubble, but I said, actually human beings are the only ones that can have sex upside down in a swing. So maybe that's our responsibility. That <laughs> is a great use of that logic. <laughs> and then we, Actually, I have a tattoo on my rib cage that says "Evolve" with a feather. There you go. <laughs> Horrors! Now, oh now my, my conservative audience is like, "Well, we are writing Shannon Etheridge off. She has a tattoo. <laughs> Get over it." <laughs> and apparently, a swing somewhere. But that's, that can be another episode. I actually do have a yoga hammock. So <laughs> I've been accused of that being a sex <sighs> swing. That's a quotation but... marks around that. Yoga hammock. Yeah, the guy who installed it said that looks like a Fifty Shades of Grey something. <laughs> and then you handed him your book, Fifty Shades of Fantasy Fallacy, Fantasy right fallacy, there. Right. Yeah. So, so I'll continue on. So, yes, please. I I typed out all my lecture notes for this twelve week class, and then someone, did, uh, several people have been asking, "Can I get a copy? Can I get a copy?" I was making stacks and stacks of copies, paying for them out of my own pocket. I said, "God, show me how to keep up with you." And someone asked, uh, why don't you write a book? And I was like, I can't write a book. And then it hit me. Actually, these 12 lecture notes could very well be a book. And so I submitted it to a literary agent. That agent just happened to represent Steve Arterburn and Fred Stoker. They had just published the Every Man's Battle book. It hit the top of the bestseller list within the first few weeks of its release, I believe. Oh. And so, yeah, this agent called me and said, I want to encourage you to just publish Women at the Well on your own self-published job. We would like instead to invite you to develop an entire series of books for all ages of women called the every woman's battle series. Mm. And he and he said, I think that you could reach millions of people if you would be willing to go in that direction. And I just said, well, I would have to fast and pray about that. 
okay, God said yes. <laughs> it did not take long. So I self-published Women at the Well. I wrote the Every Woman's Battle series over a four-year span of time. Uh, collectively, the Every Man's Battle series and Every Woman's Battle series have sold over 3 million copies, and they've been published in 30 different languages. And so I'm very proud of the work that we've done. I do think that there have been a lot of people on the planet that their pendulum swung hard to the left earlier in their life, and they did all the acting out, and, and they did the crazy things, and they exposed themselves to all kinds of stuff that in hindsight, they, it makes them shudder to realize that. But the thing that I've struggled with most, I'll just be very honest with you guys, is that through the years, especially with every young woman's battle, which was the best-selling book in the whole series, um, I have I've received several emails uh, periodically from young girls saying, am I going to go to hell because I feel the need to masturbate at least once a month? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like who, t you didn't read that in my book. You know, like who told you that you were going to go to hell because you have sexual energy coursing through your body? And so my hope is that as we prepare to re-release this series here in the next couple of years, it's coming up on the 20th anniversary series, is that we can kind of balance the conversation even more and have it be an even healthier dialogue. And I think that shows like yours really open our eyes to the need for that healthier balance in the conversation. So again, I think that you guys are trailblazers. The definition of a trailblazer is the one who has all the arrows in their back. So I'm sure you're getting arrows. <laughs> Not everybody but, likes the show, for sure. But, but you're in good company. I, I have yes. a lot of arrows in my back through the years, especially when I wrote a book called The Sexually Confident Wife that had sketches, not photos, but sketches of real women, cellulite ripples, stretch marks, saggy boobs, pregnant bellies, flat chest, the whole nine yards. And they were in various sexual positions. And I promise you that the missionary position was not the only one. <laughs> oh and so yeah i got a, i got lots of arrows in my back for that um but here's here's what happened as a result of that book being released i was pulled into the office and i was told that it is time for our ministries to part ways that uh i was they said we could never use the word fired for what we're asking of you because fired is a word you use for someone who didn't do their job and you've brought our ministry light years down the road but they said we we just think that it's time for us to part ways they were too afraid of what that book was gonna how it was gonna reflect on their reputation and so that was an incredibly painful thing to i mean I, basically i was fired uh to be asked to step down because i was trying to open up people's minds to the beauty and the wonder and the awesomeness of what god created and what he intended married sex married sex to be um and, and, I, and I got flack from both sides. I mean, there was a lot of people saying, why did you call it the sexually confident wife? Why didn't you just call it the sexually confident woman? Oh, and I was like, wow. yeah. And I was like, because my personal convictions are that I wrote this for married women. I said, I'm not sure that single women have a hard time being sexual. I didn't have a hard time being sexual all those years that I was being promiscuous. What made it hard was putting the wedding band on your finger. And I learned that didn't change anything except my last name. And it was, it was hard to go from... I, I did save sex until marriage with my husband because he had, he, he was a virgin. And so I wanted to respect and honor his commitment to that. But, um, the, well, and I'm, I'm, I'm all of a sudden stammering because I have to be honest. I, I don't want to mislead please, anyone. Please. Yeah. Oh, okay. We, we did, yeah. 
we did go through a divorce two years ago, which a lot of people know about. A lot of people don't. I'm not going to go into detail as to why I feel as if we're entitled to a private life like everybody else on the planet. And I choose to honor my husband by not throwing him under the bus and telling our ugly, gory details. But I am divorced. I just want to go on the record as, as saying such. And so I'm sure I lost a whole lot of other followers just now. And that's, that's fine with me. It's like I have to be real and authentic or else who would I be? Wow. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting, you know, your story about the sexually confident wife, which I, and I would have like, from my perspective, my, my first question is why not just say woman? And then, but it, it goes to show though, there in the spectrum of, you know, in conservative Christianity, in America to progressive Christianity and, and people who are kind of given up on the church, but are still kind of religious curious that even, uh, even in some of my progressive circles, I had a buddy post the the podcast on Facebook the other day, and he even gave it a caveat because it's be, because anytime you're talking about sex, there is this sense that the energy, the fire will get lit, it'll get out of control, it'll burn the whole place down, and um, yeah, so I have a lot of respect for you for particularly in that community being willing to stick your neck out and push, you know, turn the heat up a little bit appropriately, I think. Well, here's the thing about fire. Yeah, it can destroy things, but you can also freeze to death in a marriage if there isn't fire. It's just like campfires keep people alive. Sex is what will often keep a marriage alive. And in the absence of that healthy intimacy, what do we have? A, a, A couple of cold fish that are just flailing and not knowing, you know, how to handle their relationship. Well, we have to pause it there. When we return with Shannon in the next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about divorce and how we can be spiritual and sexual at the same time. Shannon also talks about how she helps women unearth why they feel the way they feel about sex. This is Nate. If you want to connect with us on social media, we got Twitter, we have Instagram. In fact, I've never been good at any of those. I'm actually using them for the first time with this. So this will be really fun. You can find us on the web at touchpodcast.com where you can also watch some extra videos that that I have done and some extra, extra photos and audio content that Ryan's done and just a lot of written content from the both of us. And this is Ryan. Did I oversell the masturbation and oral sex stuff? Maybe. Well, if I did, let us know. You can email us at info at touchpodcast.com or text us and tell us your story at 678-685-1010.